Welcome to This Week in Sports with Eric and Cousin Dave. As always, I'm Eric Ritter with Dave Kramer. And uh, yeah, we got some storylines that we did miss last week uh, that we're going to touch on. Um, we're also going to discuss the historic Final Four, a historic run that we all witnessed. Um, NFL news, again, it just keeps dominating. Baseball kind of slowed down a little bit. But there's a couple storylines we want to touch on there as well. But uh, let's get right into it. Um, first off, um, I am very disappointed in myself for missing this last week. Uh, the great John Clayton, ESPN reporter, passed away. Um, great guy for ESPN and one of the best This Is Sports Center ads ever. <laughs> um, with that, um, just brilliant. NFL insider and don't know what it was, but he was sick and passed away at the age of 67. Um, inspired a lot of people and all accounts, a great guy. Yeah, he was, uh, when he, when he passed, he, uh, nothing but love all over the internet for the, for this man. He got a lot of guys career started. He was just like, he's a very funny person for up and coming guys and girls in the business mm-hmm. and uh by all accounts he was just a great person um awesome insider that you're 100 right about that sports center, that sports center commercial excuse me it was real funny with him and the drums in the basement yeah. in the uh but uh playing slayer but yeah yeah he always got he had that famous rat tail or whatever they had their little yep. ponytail that he yep. had a smart man uh I think when he left ESPN, he kind of just went up to the Pacific Northwest, right? Yep. And just kind of lived the days up there, just up with Seattle. Yeah, just stuff for the Seahawks yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, very sad. Um, and as you said, he got help, was a mentor to a lot of young men and women in the, in, in the industry. So he will be missed. Um, and uh, the announcer, announcer carousel this year is like a coaching carousel. Um, it's hard to really say Buck and Aikman left companies because Fox ESPN is under the Disney umbrella but they switched networks um, they're doing this new Monday night team um, Burkhart, Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson taking over the number one spot on Fox which I love that I mean they get that, that they're great um, when Olson was hurt and he did those color commentating a few of those games, it was, he was good. Um, that's a very, that's, I think going to be a very good tandem for Fox as their number one team. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, uh, I, I kind of like how, how everything kind of sh- shook out there at the end. Um, it's a lot of money to pay, to pay people to call games. I mean, I get Tony Romo sent the bar a couple of years ago when he got 17 million to do it. And, uh, ESPN had to do something. I mean, I, I didn't. I thought the guys were were okay. That uh, that called Monday night last last uh, last few seasons. Was not a big fan of the booger experiment. Gruden got kind of old after a while. Um, but with the Monday night, with the new media deal coming in in twenty three, and, and they're going to get some Super Bowls. I think in twenty six is the first one. Thirty is the second one. They're also going to get some uh, flex games as well, starting in week twelve of twenty twenty three in the new media deal. So they needed to, they needed to go big and they got I think it worked out perfectly for them. They got guys nice. that can that they brought this team that's been together for 18 years, 19 years, just to switch networks. So the only thing that's really different is the the microphone that they hold. Then you kind of got the spin-offs from all that. Everybody wanted Al Michaels. Al Michaels made no secret that he kind of wanted to slow down. So yep. but when Amazon pays you a boatload of money, you're gonna, you're probably gonna say yes. Uh I think Kurt's a great announcer for college, and I he did he did the wild one of the wild card games last year, and I thought he was great with that with Chris Fowler. So that's gonna be a great pairing. And then Mike Tirico and NBC, he just kind of fills fills right on in there. I don't, I don't think they're gonna skip a beat at all. He's a fantastic yeah. announcer. No, I like Tirico a lot. Um, it's a very very good uh, very good transition. I think um, I think all these networks uh, have done a good job. Um, just mm-hmm with their transitions into what teams they have and 
yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really a bad one. Um, I know people with Joe Buck and on ESPN could be a little interesting um, to see um, because of the things with Joe Buck. I mean, I've admitted I've – I just think he the monotone can kind of get a little old after a while for football, but he's still a really good announcer. Um, but, yeah, ESPN, I think, did a good job. Um, they kept a team together. Um, and all these teams are – all these announcing teams are moving up. <laughs> it seems like so it's a let me ask you this question do, do you do you watch a game because because the announcers like what i guess what i mean is like would you would you turn a monday night football game on or a, a random saturday night football game on or excuse me sunday night football game on just because certain people are announcing does that does that factor in your decision at all not really um i mean if it's like I mean, if it's I mean, just some announcers do bug people, um, and I get why people would think that, but not with me. Um, it used to. Um, or I just got to the point of just tolerating, um, like Musburger and everything. Um, I couldn't, but when, but if he's calling a Michigan, if he's calling a Michigan game, it's like, okay, you just have to, you just have to power through it. <laughs> um, because there are some announcers that do have that you can tell in their tone have some bias in a game, um, even though they're trained not to. It just happens because a lot of these guys are former players, and you can sense it that it's their team. Um, but for the most part, no, it does not affect me. I mean, if it's if it's a number one in college or it's a number one versus number two matchup, I'm watching it regardless. If it's Steelers Ravens, yeah, yeah. if it's Steelers Ravens, I'm watching that defensive bloodbath. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just things like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I agree with you 100. Who's announcing does not deter me from watching the game, or who, who who's who's not announcing does not deter me from watching a particular game. It does make it like Fox 4:25 national game. In the fall, when it just start, starts getting cold out, and these guys come on the air, it, has, it does have a different feel to it a little bit, like a little more prime time. Prime time is the right word because it's an afternoon game, but it's got kind of like a more of a national stage feel, and that, that's kind of cool. And uh, but yeah, I don't, I wouldn't watch a, a game. So personally, I think paying a man nineteen million bucks to call the game seems kind of high, but that's the NFL, that's the media, that's what the market is. It's good for those guys. Um, to your point, though, about the bias, I don't want to get too much down this rabbit hole with this, but I agree with you on some of this stuff. And you start talking about, it's like, Musburger bias. Sometimes Al Michaels had some bias. Like, and those are the play-by-play guys. And it come, as it comes out now that now as sports gambling is more legalized, these guys were crazy gamblers back, way back when still are. Musburger does, a, they, Musburger does the they, thing in yeah, Vegas now. Yeah, VISN. Yeah, and does he does the radio yeah. for the for the Raiders? But yeah, so there's some there's some money involved too in some of that stuff when they like when the overs hit and stuff and make shod comments about it. But yeah, you get like like Heinz Ward when he was on NBC Sunday Football. I mean, once a Steeler, always a Steeler. He, he was still taking shots at the Ravens and stuff like that in his pregame and, and different things. And that just I guess that's just the blood you're in on there. But uh, Aikman's defense. He used to sh- he he would shit on the Cowboys several times uh, during the during the past year and uh, year and a half that he was doing those games. Yeah, I mean it's not all of them. I mean there's some, and obviously, I mean as announcers, it's when you're a non-national announcer, it's obviously easier because that's your team that you're broadcasting for. But yeah, I mean national guys. And you hear, and obviously in the pregame, and look at what it was before. I mean, Fox College Football Saturday, when Urban was on there, you had Charles Woodson with it, Michigan, Ohio State. Um, you get Dez and Herb Street. I mean, <laughs> the rivalry never cha- left those guys. And you get it. I mean, there's biases and all that, but at the end of the day, they do their jobs. And that's all I can say, and 
yeah, the announcing shift I think is great. Um, Tariko is going to be good um, with with Collinsworth, I think, and we'll uh, we'll see how it goes in a in about little under little under six months. So, yeah, I wanted to touch on the announcers that we missed last week, um, but uh, some other news. I mean, World Cup qualifying ends this week. Um, a shocker in Europe. I know, Dave, you're not a big soccer guy, but North North Macedonia um, upsetting Italy, and Italy is out for the second consecutive World Cup. Italy. <laughs> I mean, this is multiple World Cup champions. This is These are the European champions. They missed out on the World Cup for the second consecutive time. That's more embarrassing than what happened to the U.S. in 2018. <laughs> um, it was, but it's, I think there's going to be some heads rolling in uh, Italian soccer after this. Uh, because that's, uh, that's embarrassing. Um, but for CONCACAF, Canada has won the group which is shocking. They're in the World Cup for the first time since 1986. So good for Canada. Um, yeah. Some so- solid players there. Um, U.S. has all but clinched it um, thanks to a nil-nil draw in, in Estadio Azteca, um, even though U.S. outplayed Mexico and should have won 2-0, or in U.S. soccer lore, dos a cero. And a dominating performance against Panama last night, um, 5-1, Christian Pulisic. These are the past two games. These are the two best games I think Pulisic has played um, for the U.S. And this is a kid that, I mean, he's 23, uh, been with the U.S. system forever, plenty of experience in Europe, has developed his game. This is, this is the guy. Um, if he plays like this, um, this is going to be very good for the U.S. Um, all they have to do is not lose by six to Costa Rica on Wednesday, um, which, I mean, crazy things have happened in soccer, but it's win, don't lose by six, or draw, and you're in. That's all it is. I don't want to finish fourth for that play-in game against uh, the Oceana winner. Um I don't want to be in that situation. I want to be comfortable in a group and automatically qualify. Um, so, yeah, some more cup news there. Uh, it's all pretty much all but decided. World Cup draw is on Friday. Um, so we'll see hopefully what group the U.S. gets. So any, any thoughts on that? No, you summed it up. Perfectly. Um, it's a sport I've been trying to get more into. Um, I've been kind of texting a lot about it the past few weeks. Um, I just saw today that the games in, in Qatar are going to be at 6, 6 a.m., 9 a.m., and 12 p.m. or 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 3 p.m. Eastern time in the fall when they start playing. That's awesome for the East Coast. Yeah, no, I was kind of wondering how they were going to do the uh, timing. I'm like, is this going to be like, I'm in central time. Is this going to be like a 4 a.m., like 2 a.m. start? Like I'm thinking of the time difference, but no, that's good that they announced that. Um, that's so that's, that's huge good. for U.S. U.S. soccer. If they, yes. can, they can get into this thing and they can get some exposure and and with soccer becoming, I mean, it's always been relevant. It's actually been pretty relevant in Charlotte for a while. Um, they got a pretty, they got a sneak, sneaky good um, following down here. But now getting the MLS team, um, a lot of things going on with that. I got, I got a guy at work who uh, I just started a new job, but he's uh, he's season tickets to the to the new to the new stadium, or the new the new team, and uh, talks about it all the time. So I've been picking his brain a little bit about it, and uh, it'll be fun. I hope uh, hope we do well. Hoping we get a favorable draw. Don't get to make it to the what they call it the elimination round. The round next of, the round next, of sixteen. Uh, Round of 16, so hopefully we can get into that and 
and go from there. Yep. A lot of young, a lot of young youth. There's a uh, this promising. Is a, this is, a, this is a very good team. I mean, very reminiscent of those 2002-2006 teams um, when Dempsey, Donovan, Altidore, and those guys are starting to come up. Um, this is very similar. And 2002 is obviously the year um, the U.S. made it to the the eight, um, the quarterfinals, um, which is, to this day, very controversial. Um, German, German handball did not get called on the goal line. It should have been a red card, but um, those that don't know that, watch that clip. It was one of the most bladed handballs ever. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's very reminiscent of those teams. Um, young, fast, and the U- the way the U.S. has gone is they're getting they're targeting a lot of dual citizens um, from these soccer nations and. They're developing them on the U.S. side, which has helped. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, hopefully Wednesday, just don't lose by six is all I can say. Um, and we'll uh, hopefully be celebrating a trip uh, to, to Qatar. Um, but uh, that's going to wrap up that segment. Um, let's uh, NFL news. Well, like we, we know Deshaun Watson was traded last week. We talked about that. Very crazy. Um, but Dave, I think you had some thoughts on that press conference, like a lot of us did. Yeah, what a disaster! Um, just, I don't know. Just, <laughs> they, why have it? Was my question. Yeah, there was no no positive that could take him out of that. I mean, the PR firm and some of these some of these decisions by these ownerships just bring the man in, sign him. You don't have to have the press conference, but you do. And the, the, I think the most cringeworthy part was is when they asked uh, Haslam if he thought uh, Deshaun was innocent of these charges, of, 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 excuse me, alleged charges, and uh, and whatnot. He didn't say yes. Um, I don't have it right here in front of me because I don't want I don't want to misquote the guy. But he yeah. basically did a roundabout answer about saying his character, his character, his character. He vetted his character, et cetera, vetted the process. Well, you, I mean, you kind of, you kind of didn't, because you didn't, you didn't contact like we talked about last week. You didn't contact the other side that was against him. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, total. I think it was total bad PR luck for the Browns, and uh, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but they, they lost a lot of fans. Yeah. And, uh, no, I'm just some yeah. of the, yeah, you know, some of the tweets. I mean, not one female member of the organization was present um, when. Stefanski and Barry were asked about their roles. They uh, circumvented the questions. I mean, it was just, it was just not good. Well, it's like you're bringing this hired assassin in to win games for you, and which is fine at the NFL. You're in yeah. their Stefanski's job. You don't win games, you're fired. I mean, that's that's how it is. So I, I get they got to win games and you got to do what's best. Yeah. For these guys with these short short career spans to win games, get in the playoff, give a chance to win. But when you get asked about something up front, I mean, I mean just such a terrible luck. Yeah. Such a I terrible mean, luck. Yeah, this is the just not. <laughs> I mean it all it almost brings it almost makes the way that press conference went, it almost makes the trade more indefensible. Yes. You can't preach that you support this and you support and you, you support women and you support and you're against domestic violence and you're against, you're against what he did you're yeah. against what he, I guess pretty much did. Then they ask you about it in the press conference and you backpedal and you don't say anything for two minutes with some pre-worded rambling answer. No, no, it is interesting. Cause I saw some, well, I was kind of looking to see how, the, I mean, it was over the weekend. So kind of saw it live and then kind of forgot about it. Um, but it is interesting. I saw people comment. I wanted to hear your thoughts. Is what if like, there was not this outrage when Kareem Hunt signed with the Browns? And there's video of that. Yeah. There wasn't this big outrage like it is now. Like, and none, none of this, none of the, I mean, the allegations against Watson are very serious, obviously. But there was, 
actual video of Kareem Hunt. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I mean, um, I think this, this, is the, this is, yeah, I think this is the upfront news story now, as there was. Um, I believe when Kareem Hunt signed, he might have already been suspended. Or was getting, I don't know the, the, the detail on that exactly, but also no. Uh, yeah, we know the Chiefs caught him like pretty quick. Um, yeah. But kept Tariq Hill, yeah. which is a whole other issue. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 100% correct. And, and he got traded. Quarterback, quarterback's going to get more, uh, yeah. gonna get more publicity than any, any other player in the field, anyways. Um, also, this is 22 people. I mean, it doesn't minimize what Cream Hunt did by right. any means, but I think there's a little bit different factors involved. Um, COVID, which in turn goes to all these the protests and uh, all this, everything, every, all these social all these social issues are more brought to light yep. since 2020. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent on all that, but there's a lot of different I think negative uh, different factors that could that play into that. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and I mentioned Treek Hill. He got traded. And I think Miami paid too much. Um, he's now, he got more money than Devontae Adams did. I don't think he's, I don't know. I mean, Dolphins are, that's a really good offense. Um, this is going to really prove um, this is to his prove it year. I, I mean, there's no excuses with that offense. It's no, I, I agree with you 100%. Eric, I think Tua's this year, Tua this year for me is what old Sam Darnold was last year to me. So hopefully, I'm, I, I don't go over two. I was on the Sam Darnold band, I was driving it hard. Yes, you were. I was driving it hard, but uh, he's he's issue to me. I think, and I was listening to before I watched this this gambling show. I watch at six p.m. every day. I, I turned to ESPN, and it was uh, the end of NFL Live, and Dan Ovalski was on there, and he was talking about the offense for a quick second with Tyreek, and he's basically saying that uh, it's almost going to be just like a basketball game on grass with the Miami offense, just precision. Pushing the tempo all the time. Two to two doesn't not even need to throw the ball deep. Just be precision throwing. Something he actually did fairly decent in Alabama. And I mean, yeah, you're right, 100 percent right. It's all set up for him. I don't hate the trade. The only thing I don't like about trading receivers is it's it's easy to say, well, he's not gonna he's not gonna live up to the contract. Well, well, no shit. It's hard to when you don't when you when you go down from Mahomes to anybody. And just like just like Adams. We're, we're gonna look back at that in two years and be like, "Why the hell did you leave Green Bay, man?" Because mm-hmm. you want the money. They want to. They want to get paid, and that's fine. Do what you got to do. You know, the only way to live up that contract is if you score. If you if you if you receive if you catch twenty five hundred yards and twenty touchdowns. I mean, that's you're getting paid big money now. These guys are. And uh, yeah, what a haul! The Chiefs did it right, man. I mean, they offered five. to pay them, make them the make them the pay, five picks, right? Yep. It was? They got a Miami's first this year, Miami's second this year. Mm-hmm. A fourth, a, f- a fourth this year, plus a fourth and a sixth for 2023. Um, and then he signed a four-year 120 deal, um, 72.2 guaranteed, including 52.5 million once he s- puts a signature on that paper. That must be nice. You know, just put your sign, just sign your name and you make that much money. I don't think the Chiefs wanted Chiefs made him made him a great offer. Yeah, it's not but he he wanted he wanted to go and mm-hmm. just can't blame the guy. I mean, he wants to, I guess maybe he wants to prove how good he is or he just wants to get I mean, you want that money, you want Yeah, I mean it's yeah, that shadow. I mean, you won a Super Bowl. So yeah. I mean his career is already defined as Super Bowl winning man. So good for him. And there's and the Chiefs can just reload now. They get they get these cheap players. I mean, they got Velda uh, Scanning up there from Green Bay. Um, he's a poor man's Tariq Hill, basically. He can he can throw the he he's, can run a deep ball. He's good. He's um, good speed, but I don't like Tariq Hill though. I mean, it's the hand. Yeah. I question the hands. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there's 
this is a good draft. You need to run need to need wide receiver too. I mean, you got Drake London. People compare him to Keyshawn. He'll probably mm-hmm. be gone with the Chiefs pick though. But you know, you got um, Wilson Olave Chris- from Ohio State. Yep. I mean, Olave's it's good comparison to Julio. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. And Wilson's kind of like a fast Keyshawn, excuse me, a fast Keenan Allen. So there's lots of lots who, is, of who coming out of Cal was fast. Yeah. Um, him and Deshaun mm-hmm. Jackson. <laughs> um, and then you got a, a kid from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, who I'm yeah, oh yeah. On, so they got some I'm blanking on now. There's, there's seven. There's seven wide. There's six to seven wide receivers that are likely going in the first round. Absolutely. Um, and, it's uh, a very deep, very deep receiver draft, which again we'll talk about in a, in about a month or so, um, when it gets to that point. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's interesting. I mean, this offseason's been this has probably been the craziest offseason, excuse me, in uh, recent memory for me. But even these longtime analysts are saying like this is something we've never seen. I mean, this is, it's nuts. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, we saw this coming with, uh, we saw this coming with Kansas City. We knew that they would have to release uh, or trade some, some people and they did. So it'll be interesting. Um, and there's always that, a lot of people say it, it's a system a system quarterback. Well, that may be true to some, but I think it's more system and who your quarterback is for wide receivers, which is why, yeah, Tariq Hill's been in the Pro Bowl every year since he's been in the league. Um, so he's talented. But I also have the question is how much is on how much of that is on him? without Mahomes, how is, how much is, I mean, there's the stats of Devontae Adams without Aaron Rodgers that in the games without him, he's pedestrian. I mean, I think Devontae Adams is a hell of a receiver, but without Rodgers, the stats show he's not that great. So he went to Vegas with Derek Carr, who was his teammate at Fresno State. So there's the rapport. So we'll see. Um, that's really all we can do. I don't know. I don't know if you have thoughts similar or different on that. No, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. I mean, we've, we've had this argument a little bit before about that. Um, you know, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball, David Kramer throwing the ball, big difference in talent, big difference in, in where the ball is going to go and how it's going to get to you at a certain time. It makes a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you get someone who runs a, seven yard slant and I, I throw it on I throw it right on your right on your running shoulder, you can go next to 15 yards or I throw it behind you, either either drop the ball or you or can tackle it right right three yard three yard pass. I mean there's tons of tons of factors into that. Um the way I look at it though is they still gotta run the routes, still gotta catch the ball, still yep. gotta get open. A lot of times though, but then that's chicken and the egg kind of thing. A lot of times these great quarterbacks will throw you open. That's what it gives them the NFL in college. In college, you run the route to get open. In the NFL, they, they throw you open half the time. And uh, so we'll see. You're 100% right. We'll see what happens. Um, I think Devontae, if I had to pick who to have a bigger year, I, was, I, would, I would pick Devontae in, in Vegas over Tyreek Hill in, uh, in Miami. That's what I'm personally. I can see that. Um, I can definitely see uh... – I can definitely see that. Um, obviously, I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback than Tua. Um, Tua, I think, is going to spread the ball out a little more. Um, Parker, Waddle, Hill, uh, Mike Jaleski. Um, I think you could look for a big year from Jaleski and, uh, and Hill because they can just run I mean, line Hill up in the slot and do a cross cross with both of them and hit whoever's open. Um, yeah, offensive offensive mind, a genius and a head. I mean, genius coordinators come in to Mike McDaniel. Both places. Yeah, I think this is gonna be interesting. Um, Mike McDaniel and 
Josh McDaniels uh, with their mm-hmm. offenses, I think it'd be very interesting to watch. Um, but obviously we'll talk about that later. Um, and uh, everyone's one of the NFL's great shows, Hard Knocks. They announced the team. The Detroit Lions. Um, it kind of shocked shocked me when I saw that come through. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I guess the Lions, I think Lions fans are more intrigued because we finally get to see the inner workings of this inept organization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think it's mainly Dan Campbell. That's why they did it. Um, well, and as my dad said, hopefully he doesn't overdo his personality for it, for TV. Um, just keep it as is. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he cuts someone. Because he sort of got that sympathy, but also toughness to him. Um, or we're just incredibly cursed and someone's going to get hurt in, pre- in this and we're going to be fucked. Um, that's true um, there's that curse angle there's the angle of just the, the overexposure overexposure gives you gives you too many expectations that might not be ready yet it also gives you no one should ever have expectations for the Lions it's just easier to go into a season that way <laughs> well yeah well the hard knocks there's only actually there's because there's some weird process how they selected people and only three teams were eligible for this this this, this summer. The Panthers, Lions, and Jets. That was it. That, that was a teams they had to pick from. I'm not quite sure how they picked the teams and why, why they only had to do those three. Because I remember a few years ago when they picked uh, – was it Oak? It might have been the Raiders. The Lions were a finalist that year too. Yeah. Uh, with, with the Patricia years. And uh, we, we didn't get thank, it, thank goodness. Thank God. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, so there are three uh, teams. So I guess now the Panthers and the Jets will be the fall one. I think they have a midseason hard knocks too, don't they? Now, yeah, they tried it with um, um, they tried it with the Colts, mm-hmm. um, which was good. Um, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of different um, with the with the season. Um, in season's oh. a little different, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, in season. This- it's really good. It's a really good. Uh, I mean, I love the show. I, I mean, I watch hard knocks anyway. Um, just because it's such a great insight um, to everything, and you you get kind of get to see the inner workings of how it's run, practices, inner squad practices where there's fights. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, man. Hard knocks is uh, I mean, it's just great. Um, It'll be fun. Look forward to watching them on there. Look forward to uh, the, the next thing coming up is I'll look forward to seeing the draft Detroit in a few years and uh, kind of go yep. from there. Yeah, the, that came out. It's a big football day in Detroit. Um, Kansas City is hosting 2023. 2024 NFL draft is in Detroit. Um, very good. Uh, I mean, it's going to be it's great for the city. Um, with how they with where how close the arenas are and the entertainment districts now and uh, so it's gonna be uh it's gonna be fun I mean, and like i said i sent the text as like yeah what a, what a big day uh, everything's coming up everything's coming up lions and until the season starts <laughs> hopefully in 2024 when that draft's going we're picking in the 20s that'd be nice wouldn't it yes Yes. Um, yeah. So, I think the really the only stipulation is something like teams with a first year head coach can't be on, and teams who have made the playoffs in at least one of the past two years, and teams who have been on hard knocks in the past ten years, and that left three teams eligible. <laughs> so they basically went shitty teams, but not too shitty. They just got a new coach. Yes. Yep. So yes, yeah. okay. Yeah, and Carolina would have been interesting. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that team has the personality though. I think that's no, kind of what they look at te- too. 
you would watch Tepper just scream at um, Rule the whole time. Rule. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, that would not be interesting. Soleil, I think, would have been pretty good. I think he's got some personality to him. Um, but obviously, I mean, I mean, it started with the introductory press conference. We're going to bite kneecaps. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then MLB, um, not much news, really. Um, I know they're experimenting with some rule changes in the minors, something about they're shortening, they're moving second base to be a foot closer um, to first and third because it's never been in the right spot, apparently. I was looking into that. Um, I read uh, The Athletic with the written by Jason Stark, who's one of my favorite baseball guys anyway. Um, so they're trying to, and then they're making increasing the base size by three inches to, so the shortening distance and increasing base size to increase first to third and stealing. First to third is a lost art in baseball to me. Um, that's one of the biggest things. If you can get first to third on a on a single, I mean, that's great. But um, so that's interesting there. Um, and plus, there are other rules that they're trying out in the minors. Any thoughts on those? I, I, I love the moving the base and making them bigger. I, I thought that was a great, great rule. Great change. Just makes the game more fun. Knowing guys can try to risk a little bit more. Especially with stolen bases. Anything that made the game a little more exciting, is, mm-hmm. I think, is a bonus. Anything that they do to do that is going to be a bonus. I, th- I think it's a, it's a great thing. Um, puts clock. Uh, what's the other rule they're doing down there? Um, double A. Big... I, I think double A and single A are testing out the shift ban this year. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure triple A. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing. Um, but I know they are doing that in single and double A. So if you're in a single A town, double A town, check out some games. Uh, check out the rules. <laughs> Um, so it's a that's interesting there um, not many not many signings um, we can kind of discuss this in our baseball preview um, which will be next week um, but it came out today Albert Pujols he's back in St. Louis one year deal and also announced he's done this is it this is Pujols' uh, final uh, final year in the in the show. I guess the question is now, and we'll talk about it more in that in the preview, our season preview episode. But kind of just plant the seeds now. The met the number is twenty one. He's twenty one from seven hundred. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the DH. And he like coming off the bench. Can he hit twenty one? The well, question still, is, do you think he'll, does, does he last the whole year there? Like, you don't I mean, know. Is, is his I mean, final? Is his final year? I mean, this is and he was a cardinal for his entire career. Well, not his entire career, but I understand that. And but the Cardinals will probably be contending for a playoff position. So if he's stinking, they could use another bat somewhere else. There's that possibility. Um, but if he stinks that bad to be cut, I don't think there's going to be – I mean, there'll be no hard feelings by the fans. Yeah. Um, I hope he does. I really do. Uh, yeah. It's pretty important. Uh, I mean, if he had 700, that would be – and this is a guy – we'll, again, we'll talk about it later, but he's done it clean. He has. The only thing he's lied about is his age, and no one really knows how old he is. I mean, how old is he? I don't know. He's. I think he. What was it last year that the person said he came out like it's two years off or something? Yeah, I mean that's why he part of the reason why he, he declined he so fast. Angel shit for shit for signing that contract. I mean, I thought he was three years younger than what he really was. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys. I mean, <laughs> holy crap! That's why they age so bad because mm-hmm. really when they're thirty-one, they're really thirty-four. 
yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, look up, it's hilarious. I actually just did this because <laughs> I remember it. Is look up Albert Pools' high school picture. <laughs> I mean, the guy, the guy looks like, I mean, this is a guy that, this is a guy that you think would have the fake ID because he looks 21. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how. And yeah, but um, okay, we'll talk about that more um, on our baseball one. But uh, other than that, I mean, not much baseball news really, except for the rule changes being announced and Pujols going back to St. Louis. Um, but yeah, let's kind of wrap up um, with uh, the Sweet 16 Elite Eight recap and Final Four preview. Um, Kind of tough, uh, tough loss uh, for Michigan in their "quote unquote" Cinderella type run. Um, God, that, that was a winnable game, very winnable game for us. Um, for Michigan, um, Michigan just shot awful. Um, they couldn't make. I think they missed ten from within three feet, and shot like twenty percent from the line. I mean, that's that was ugly. Um, but great season for them. Um, Villanova advanced um, and won and is in the final four. Though that's uh, losing Justin Moore um, to that Achilles injury late in the game too. Um, that's just. That hurts. Um, so outside of Gillespie, that's their best player. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam, Samuel, player. Samuel's is good inside, but whew, Justin Moore, versatile guard for them. That just that hurts them. And yeah, they didn't. That's shoot, gonna... They didn't shoot well either in that Elite Eight game. No, they were, no, they did not. That was a defensive slugfest, that yeah. Houston-Villanova game. I mean, that really was. Yeah. Yeah, 94 total points. It was a very, very uh, defensive-oriented game. Yeah. Yeah, no, very – and that's what, you, that's what we expected um, with uh, – that's what we expected with uh, excuse me, with Houston. Um, they are – that's their game. Very, very good defensive team. Um, then you had I mean, Texas Tech in the Sweet 16 gave Duke a little scare. Um, that's a that was high, that's high scoring for Texas Tech, um, 73 mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a game I thought was gonna be more defense. Um, but Duke's just overpowered them. Arkansas, worst shoot, worst shooting team by far. In the in the tournament, um, upsetting Gonzaga, um, North Carolina. I don't know how this team's the Final Four team. To be honest, I. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I can say about this Carolina team. I mean, they're just. I don't know what it is. I, I, I can't describe I, it. I agree, I, agree, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, <laughs> people say they play the best basketball. Like they played really well. I mean, they beat a they beat a pretty they beat a pretty injured riddled Baylor team. The UCLA game was probably their best win. Yep. Uh, and then then of course they get St. Peter's, who's the Cinderella, who's a no offense to St. Peter's is. They're a terrible basketball team. They're a 15 seed for a reason, and uh, you weren't going to think they were going to keep rolling, rolling through this thing. And when it ends, it ends bad. Mm-hmm. It, it ended bad. Yeah, when there these, was no doubt in that game. When this, yeah, when Cinder, when Cinderellas get to get to the lead eight um, or Sweet Sixteen, it um, 
<laughs> it usually does not end well. Um, no. I mean, and great, great job um, by St. Peter's. Um, Shaheen Holloway, Holloway does, did a great job in the in the postseason. Um, it's yeah, likely going to get him a job. It's like it's likely to get him a gig somewhere. Um, he did Seton Hall, I think. Already signed him, I believe so. Did did he uh, or did so. he de- or did he deny it? No, uh, I'm not sure. He, I know, he's uh, still. I know he's tied to the job. I, he played there. Um, was a good player for them. Um, yeah, he was. He was in the same recruiting class and all this stuff. With with he, he was the Colby, he was Marbury. the he was the mm-hmm. all American McDonald's all American MVP. I mean, he was a good player. Supposed to uh, supposed to coach. Supposed to get supposed to Hall offer. It sounds like so. Yeah, they most likely even. But yeah, I mean, this is the kind of run. Um, I mean, Andy Enf. I think I said it. It's like you see, like Andy Enfeld, um, USC mm-hmm. coach now, um, who led uh, Florida Gulf Coast to that Cinderella run into the Sweet Sixteen in 2013, which. That ended badly um, to Florida. Um, yeah. And then we in turn ended it badly for Florida in the Elite Eight. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just ugly. And then Miami, great run for them. That ended badly. Though at the half, Miami gave them a game um, at the half. And then Kansas just, <laughs> they just took it to them. So what's oh. your uh, – I, I think overall, I think this is a good Final Four. Um, yeah, I mean, the, can't, can't overlook the history. Um, no, first, first time ever, Duke uh, and Carolina are playing in the tournament against each other. And it's the Final Four. I mean, this is this is a game that – this game, this game is bigger than the national championship game. Will be. I mean, that's yeah, what – Possibly, yeah. I mean, that's what I think it is. Um, it w- I think it will be if Duke loses. If Duke wins, this is it's, it's just another step for Coach K to get to win one in his last his last hurrah. I think. Um, what's your prediction for these two games and, and your winner now? Whether we be in reseeded like this? I think you're looking at Duke, Kansas. Um, like I said, I think Justin Moore's injury hurts Villanova um, a lot. Um, I think, given how and uh, you look at the revenge factor in in Duke Carolina, where Carolina spoiled uh, Coach K's last game at Cameron, and mm-hmm. oh yeah, there's that revenge factor. So, um, Plus, I think Duke's actually the better team anyway. Um, yeah, Duke is a better team. Um, the way, I mean, obviously, you got Paolo, he gets all the names, but AJ Griffin for them, I mean, he's a top, he's a top seven lottery pick this mm-hmm. year, and he's playing fantastic right now. I think Duke's going to, I'm not going to roll. No one just rolls anybody in the Final Four or, or these, uh, in these tournament games. But it's, uh, Duke's is going to win. I think Kansas is just – I think Kansas is the best team left, personally. But uh, if it becomes Duke and Kansas in the final, give me the guy with the better – give me the team with the better NBA players, and I think Duke wins it all, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is – I mean, this could not – if you're the NCAA for ratings, this could not have worked out any better. No, no, yeah, you're right about that. I mean, I, once the Sweet 16 hit, I'm looking at it like I started to have a thought. Like, this is this can't happen, right? Like, this can't happen. And it happened. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a great Final Four. Um, it's a Blue Blood Final Four, which is usually what you get anyway. Um, again, St. Peter's, though, hell of a run. Um, they've I mean, this is – you can argue, I mean, yeah, there's been 11 seeds that have made it to the Final Four and all that, but this is the first 15 seed to make it past the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And they only made it to the Sweet – and only three teams, 15 seeds have made it to the Sweet 16. 
and it's a uh, it was kind of cool to watch um that history and so we'll uh we'll see what holloway does um this is kind of a team this is this is a team that has their one run people will remember it forever but then they're gonna most likely fade off into into obscurity and be a bar bar sports trivia question um (laughs) in about 10 years um so um but i mean the thing is with the with them yeah like you said once you get to this point it is typically going to be the the blue blood the blue bloods um but there's there's moments i mean i michigan's running 13 to the title game i remember thinking god if florida gulf coast beats florida i don't want to play this team (laughs) because of how athletic they were i mean that was that that dunk city team these guys would just would fly in they were getting to the ball they were throwing down dunks it was great basketball fun to watch but kind of scared me if i if we had played them but um you just never know i mean that's the great thing about this time of year you just never know and st peter's gave us uh the best cinderella i think in in history i don't know if you think they are but i think they are yeah they probably are with the record seed they beat they beat i mean Kentucky beat Purdue. Yeah. And they lost to before the before they went on a run. I think they they lost to Siena. They lost to like teams that aren't even in the tournament and small mm-hmm. small teams. And I guess it's just a crazy, crazy time of year. And, and that's why they call it uh that's why they call it March Madness. Um, but as far as, uh, but not only that, I mean, and then you got the women's side where Cinderella's were kind of all over, um, coming out of that bracket. I mean, for a while, I mean, you had, you had a 10 seed Creighton in the elite eight. You had a six seed in Ohio State make it to the Sweet 16. Five seed in Notre Dame. I mean, Ohio State, Notre Dame, these are good women's programs. Um, and then you had Louisville, Tennessee, and then Michigan and South Dakota, which whew, that South Dakota game, I watch, I've watched more women's basketball this year, actually in the past week, than I have probably in the last four years. And yeah, the, cra- the crazy part is you talk about these upsets. If North Carolina State holds on against UConn right now and Louisville beats Michigan, it'll still be four, four ones in the final four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the women. In the women's, that's kind of it. I mean, you look at, like, I think, I think you look at it, the talent in rankings drops after the top eight or so, I would say. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Like you, so you look at that, and uh, and I don't know if you watched that Michigan South Dakota game, but um, it was scary. I thought South Dakota was going to pull it off. I mean they they played Michigan very tough. Um, that game is tonight in a few minutes, actually. Um, but it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to to see that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is, this is Michigan's first uh, first elite eight in school history, um, which is great for the for that program. Um, would love would love for to see Michigan women go to the final four, but I mean it's a uh, it's tough. I mean Louisville is very good. They beat Michigan by twenty two earlier in the year. 
Um, and then, so, and then it'll be a date against South Carolina um, on Friday. Um, defending champion Stanford. Uh, yeah, I mean, UConn. UConn's crazy. I mean, this is a this was a quote unquote down year. They're still two seed. They're still two seed, and they made their sixteenth straight Elite Eight. Yeah, it's that's a down year. And this is a down year for you guys. I mean, yeah, they lost uh they lost Paige Beckers for half the year. But it's just still uh it's still Yukon. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just still Gino Ariano. Um and it's tied right now, fifty nine fifty nine. Um but yeah, it's gonna kind of wrap up the actually you, you kind of just took the lead um but uh that's gonna wrap up that segment um mission actually college hockey um frozen four is set there um battle of minnesota uh, minnesota state versus the university of minnesota in one side and then michigan versus denver in the other uh I watched I mean, I've, Michigan hockey. For those that don't know, they had four of the top five picks go in this year in the past draft, and seven in the first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a ridiculously talented team, very young. Um, my concern is their third period. They, for some, they're up four nothing yesterday, and with. Eight minutes to go. It was four to three. Like, all I can think is Quinnipiac's coach for pulling their goalie with four minutes left down one, which is very questionable. I mean, you had the momentum. You, I get it. You were winning offensive faceoffs. So I kind of understood it, but here's the thing with Michigan. Once the puck comes out of that defensive zone, yeah. <laughs> and they won 7-4. <laughs> Crazy third period, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but it's, uh, it's kind of fun. I mean. Those I don't watch these sports, I get not as much focus as men's basketball, football. Check them out because it's a completely different game. The women's game is obviously different. Um, the frozen college hockey is crazy because these are kids that have already been drafted for the most part um, because of how the draft rules work. Um, they can go to college still. Um, and they hold their rights until 30 days after they graduate. So it's kind of a fun thing. And if you're a top player and your team loses, you can sign your deal and you're playing the next week in the NHL. <laughs> That's just how it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of neat like that. Uh, and Michigan is loaded. And you're, you're trying to watch them. I don't think the f- Frozen Four starts till what the seventh, eighth, ninth, something like seventh, that. Yep. Yeah, so you got next week. They got some time off, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, but uh, highly recommend checking it out um, because it is uh, <laughs> it is definitely uh, it's definitely a fun sport to watch. Um, different pace, different, just different levels, but. These guys are good. Most of these kids are going to some level of professional hockey. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. And Michigan shouldn't cakewalk through this. I mean, Minnesota State is very good. Minnesota, they, I mean, they're, they're, all very, they're all very good teams. Um, they're, they're ranked higher than Michigan, aren't they? Minnesota State? Well, Michigan came into the tournament as the number one overall seed, okay. um, yet somehow was ranked number two in the final polls of the regular season. That's, yeah, which I understand that. I did not understand that either. <laughs> um, when that came out, I saw that. I was like, all right, Michigan first overall seed. 
and then the ranking came out. Yeah. How does this make sense? I mean, this this would be like, I mean, let's just say Gonzaga. Gonzaga, you're the number one overall seed, but Duke, you're the first team. Like that's what that's that's what that was. Like I'm not sure how that happened, but oh well. Um, that's gonna wrap it up. Um, yeah, this is a great time of year for college sports. Um, if you haven't watched it, been watching, take a look. Men's basketball, women's basketball, college hockey. Um, other sports are picking up: softball, baseball. Um, check them out, and uh, that's gonna do it. Um, as always, I'm Eric Weirdo with Dave Kramer. And uh, take care.